Hey, I'm so glad you're here tonight. It's, it is the last night that we're going to be together. I'm going to go down to uh, close to Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be preaching down there tomorrow night. But uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for your faithfulness to be here. My heart is blessed, uh, your attendance and you inviting friends and guests to come. Thank you for doing that. And so your friends and guests that are here, we are super thankful that you're here tonight. I'm looking forward to what we're going to cover tonight and try to get across. So here we need to do this. If you've got a ribbon, a marker, thank you, Bob. If you could find Lamentations, that'd be really good if you could just find it on your own. But if you don't know where it is, put your thumb in the middle of your Bible. And so that could be Psalms. It could be Isaiah. It's between Psalms and Matthew. Actually, the best way to do it is if you find the big book, Isaiah. Right after Isaiah is a big book called Jeremiah. Right after Jeremiah is Lamentations. It's only a couple pages long. Put a marker in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations 3. And we're going to turn there later. Hebrews chapter 12 is our text passage. So I'll just go ahead and tell you in a little while when we turn to Lamentations 3, you will know it is almost over. So we only have a, that'll be a little while from now. So uh, hang in there for that. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to go tonight. And so again, I want to thank Pastor Alter for having me come, inviting me to come. And uh, he was talking to me earlier in the week. He said, Brother Dave, we just need to put it on the calendar. We got to put it on the calendar. And so this afternoon, we looked around a little bit and Perhaps by God's grace, I'll get to come back um, 2004, so that, uh, 24, 2024. Same, same to me, but anyway, uh, 2024, uh, maybe in the spring, uh, somewhere there. And so uh, by God's grace, we'll get to do that. So uh, grateful. I'm thankful for the generosity of the church and pastor for the new wardrobe, I got five suits, five shirts, five ties, five pair of shoes, five of them stocking stuffers, whatever they call them. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. But anyway, no, he didn't do that many, but it, he did. It was a blessing, and I appreciate the generosity a great deal. And then uh, for you to be willing to give to a love offering is a blessing and a help to us also. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 12, if you're able, would you stand with me, please? Hebrews 12, verse number one, I made mention about the great cloud of witnesses last night. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, how many weights, folks? Every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Sunday night we did, let us, Sunday morning we did, let us run. Sunday night we did, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And also verse 2, just the first part, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I would like to pray with you, please. Let's pray. Our great God, I just want to say again, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to me and to Nancy keeping us healthy on the road, and then for letting us do this. It's a joy and a privilege and honor just to get to open up your book and try to teach and preach people what it says and see you do work in our hearts. Thank you. Thank you for Grace Baptist Church and Pastor Alter and that they would have, have us come, and then they would come to the services and attend and and be so generous to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. But God, thank you that you still use your word, your preached word, to touch us. Thank you that you still do that today. And thank you for how you've spoken to our hearts already these few sermons. I pray you'd do it again tonight. So I, I ask you for help. I, sh- I surely need unction and utterance and power and clarity. Would you help me just to be able to communicate truth? Then I pray all of us are willing and ready to hear it. And then as you speak to us, we won't only we won't be hearers only. We'll surrender and comply with you. If anyone's not saved, 
Oh, hallelujah. Thank you that you're giving them another opportunity. I pray they'll say yes to you before it's too late. Jesus, we really do love you, and we really do look forward to when we get to see you. It's in your mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We've talked about that the allegory, I think allegory, uh, the metaphor is uh, Christianity is like uh, in a coliseum and we are, it's like we're an athletic event, we're making progress in the race. So, when do you get to get in the race? Well, you got to get a jersey. Somebody say amen. So, do you have your jersey? You know where you were? You know where you were when you got your jersey? Yeah. Understanding that you're a sinner. Jesus Christ, God's Son, is the Savior, the only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Somebody say amen. I didn't know what happened either. I did not know, but I got a jersey that night. He put me in the race. We're supposed to be making progress And so we talked about a couple of the things here that we're supposed to run with patience. Wow. With a calm, unruffled temper. Amen. Without murmuring, without complaint. Endurance, we don't give up. So last night we talked about uh, laying aside every weight. We talked about there's some weights, what we call the weight anyway, was a hindrance. Something that drags me down, keeps me from making the progress I should. And so some weights are not wicked. They're not sinful. And we talked about those. And then I took a corner and I talked about sometimes it's like we're running in the sand. And our coach, our Savior, our God knows we're in the sand. Amen. The sand is never, never to destroy us. God's grace is available. We don't have to be destroyed when the sand comes. The sand, though, is, like Corey Ten Boom said, the perfect preparation for a future only he can see. Bless his name. Tonight, I want to say this before I get to the sin portion of it. In any, in any athletic event, that's the, that's the illustration here that he's given us, the metaphor there, in every athletic event, there are times of great celebration. Oh, that's too bad. Even at Grace Baptist Church, sometimes there are events and circumstances, there are times, oh, there is great celebration. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. Good night. Great celebration. Chest bumps, high fives, praising God. Have you ever been so happy you cry? (laughs) Sometimes it's like that. But there's also times of sorrow, heartbreak. In every athletic event, there's disappointment. There's trial. There's pain. Wow. So let's be honest about that in our race. In Christianity, that's, sometimes that's true. It happens. I thought about in the race, these hindrances that come upon us. And we've talked about lay aside every weight. I'm going to continue that tonight with and the sin. But I just think about this in the race of of Christianity. I hope you will admit with me. Will you admit with me that even though I have the jersey, you have the jersey, in the race, often our biggest hindrance is us. Amen. Amen. Our flesh, our flesh is not subject to God. Amen? 
Our flesh does not want to comply. The Bible says neither indeed can be. It does not want to comply to God. Our flesh does not want to surrender. And we have this battle in the race with our own brain telling us, you might as well quit. You might as well stop. You need to do something else. You can't make it. And then in our flesh, sometimes we get wrong. We get bad habits. And a habit is just something we keep doing that we know we probably ought not do. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there have been periods of times in my life that I've had this habit of eating a bowl of cold cereal at night and not a little teeny bowl with two giant scoops of Bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream in it. It will change your life. (laughs) It is hard to quit. It's okay to do it sometime, but it ought not be a habit. Because it can add 20 pounds pretty quick. Because it's so good. (laughs) But sometimes wrong habits will hinder our race. Somebody say amen. We have... Personal weaknesses. You know, I thought this was fascinating. Everybody doesn't have the same weakness. Sometimes somebody's doing something crummy like Cohen. He's always messing up. So he's doing something crummy. We're going, what's wrong with him? Nobody should have that problem, Cohen. And then he finds out what my difficulty is. And he goes, that's horrible. Why do you have so much trouble with that? That's not, that doesn't bother me at all. Is everybody with me? We all have different weaknesses. And uh, just some people have seemingly more weaknesses than others. So we're in the race. We've got the flesh to contend with. We've got our weaknesses to contend with. Sometimes these habits get in the way. Here's another problem. Oh, it's a bummer. In the race, we're not the only one in the race. There are other people going along with us. Is everybody hearing me? I could say it like this. Sometimes there's conflict with other people in the race. I don't know if you're aware of this. Do you know that Christianity is sometimes the uh, metaphor is like we're a family? So if you have a family and you don't have any children and it's just husband and wife, I'm serious. If that's all you had, you've been married 20 years, husband and wife, I guarantee you there's been conflict with only two people. You add one person in that, you it's exponentially more than one. If you add several children... There's all kinds of opportunity for conflict. If you got a church last night, you said we have something like 160 here or 150 here. If you got a church like that, 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 that means there's more opportunity. We're all in the same race. We're all going the same direction. But we are all humans. Opportunity for conflict. I think that's enough problems already, don't you? For opportunity problem, but you got to get this in your brain. Don't ever forget the arch enemy of God also wants to stop us in our race. I'm going to give you another chance to say amen. The arch enemy of God, if you don't know who he is, Satan wants to hinder, he wants to stop you in your tracks. I thought this was fascinating that as I grew up as a kid, my dad's a preacher, that I understood that. Satan wants to destroy the preacher's life. He's after the preachers. He's trying to get rid of the preachers. He's trying to get rid of the missionaries. He's trying. Satan, he wants to destroy everybody. Not just the minister. Not just the pastors. Not just the missionaries. Not just the Sunday school. He, he, he's willing. He'll take anybody. He'll take you. He wants to destroy your life too. And you're going, well, I'm nobody. He wants to take your life too. He wants to destroy it, make it useless in the race. Yeah. So that's just some awareness we need to have. It's an athletic event, and there's all these opportunities to 
get fouled up. So tonight, let us lay aside every weight. Then the Bible says, and the sin which doth so easily beset you. I think it would be appropriate tonight, I think I think it'd be okay, for me as a preacher, as a man of God, to open up the book of God and start naming and start listing your sin. And it would be, it, it's appropriate, it's, it's right. God is somebody who has sin called out. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't brush over it. He doesn't cover it. He doesn't, he, he calls out sin. The Bible's full of that. And it would be appropriate for me to do that. And I started thinking about the sin list that I could start doing. And I've been in the ministry a long, long time now. I got out of Bible college. I was uh, 21 years old. And so I've been in ministry since then. And you could call full-time ministry since then. And I'm not 21 anymore. So that's like a long time. 45 years. Mercy. So I'm aware of sin that's in our churches today. And I could start listing them, and, and the list could all, it would be impossible to complete. But what I've decided to do is just read a, a scripture verse here and go ahead and just let the Bible name our sin. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. Strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. I like how the Bible concludes, and such like. Anything that's something like those, that too. Amen. The book of Corinthians adds strife and division. It's wicked, that's sinful, it's wrong. I'm going to go ahead and just add Dave McCracken, and I could use scripture for this, but I'm just going to say it. Materialism and sexual immorality and excessive ambition are just a few that are common in our church society today. Wow. Each of these could be a topic for a sermon of our church and our churches today. And I'm talking about Bible-believing churches. Yeah. Just get this in your brain about sin. God never has and he never will wink at our sin, at your sin. Never. It's not okie-dokie with God. It's not something little with God. It's not something, well, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. You know how big a deal it is? His son died because of it. Let's do the verse again in our brain. Lay aside every weight and it's weird the sin which doth so easily beset you. But that was that's uh I'll just go ahead and tell you that's bothersome in my brain. Lay aside every weight, lay aside the sin. You know how we say that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, the life. Amen? He is the, it's the, it's the. He is the only way. He's one, that's the way. Then the Bible says, lay aside the sin. I don't know if in your brain, in my head, I'm just saying in my understanding, my understanding of English, the sin. The Bible is saying, hey, McCracken, you've got the sin. That easily beset you. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. The sin. Do you know what bothers me about that? It seems like there's like there's there's just one. Amen. Here's my problem. I'm not proud of this. I'm just telling you, I got more than one. Isn't that crummy? 
The Bible says, lay aside the sin. The sin was so easily, and I'm going, God, I got a problem. I got more than one. And yet the Bible, God is right. His word is right. The sin, which doth so easily beset you. So there's a couple of awarenesses that I want to do with you. One of the awarenesses is this. Evidently, God says, hey, McCracken, right now, this moment in your life, you've got the sin that easily besets you. What does he want me to do? Admit it, acknowledge it, repent of it, put it aside. And so I'm running the race, and God goes, come on, McCracken, you know, and I'm going, no, mercy. Okay, God, I'm sorry, and I lay that aside. I should repent. I should confess my sin. Amen? He's faithful just. Somebody say amen. He'll forgive us. Amen. Hallelujah. And then I'm running along, and then there's something else. What am I supposed to do? Lay it aside. Now, here's another awareness that I, you got to get this in your brain, friend. He said, which doth so easily beset you. That means you know what it is. Don't you sit here at night and go, well, I just can't think of one. If you're sitting here at night and say that you can't think of one, you got a problem because God says there is one. Lay it aside. So if you can't think of it, let's go ahead and maybe we should talk to your wife. She might could help us come up with one you're not thinking of. Or your husband. Or your children. That's a bummer. If you got a three or four or five year old, they can tell everything. <laughs> I love it. They don't they don't mean they're innocent altogether. You know what daddy did and daddy wanted to tell you. And they're not trying to tattle. They're just saying, daddy was in the backyard running around and I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, you make up whatever you want to make up. Is everybody with me? So let's talk about it. Let's go ahead and be honest. You know what it is. What are you supposed to do? before you can lay it aside, you have to admit it. You have to come to terms with it. And if you're going to lay it aside, the admission has to be that it is sinful. So many of us crybabies go, well, I don't think it's that bad. I don't, other people do it all the time. Is anybody hearing me? We're not comparing ourselves to other people. We're comparing ourselves to Scripture and Jesus Christ and what He Convicts our heart about. I don't think there's anything wrong with eating Krispy Kreme donuts. If they're hot. I love them. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. But if God said, McCracken, you go haywire. I don't know if you've ever bought them. If some people don't like them, they go, whatever. Some of us go, this is awesome. If my family says, hey, Dad, go to, go to Krispy Kreme, get a couple dozen donuts. I can't get two dozen. I must get three. Because I will eat one dozen on the way home if they're warm. And I'll have the little white crunchies all over my body. Sugar. I've done it lots of times. I haven't done it once. I haven't done it ten times. I've done it many times. I'm serious as hard as I've eaten a dozen donuts, Krispy Kreme, many times. It's over a dozen times that I've eaten a dozen donuts in one setting. They're there. I eat them. You just squeeze them in half, push them. They disappear. You get another one. (laughs) They melt in your mouth. It's like sugar. It's awesome. And then if I've got milk or coffee, I've eaten 16 Krispy Kreme donuts in one sitting twice. Why? They were there. I wasn't doing a game. I wasn't doing a challenge. They were in front of me. I ate them. 
Is that sinful? No. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But it's idiotic to do that every day. Maybe every week. Or every month. But I just get carried away. Do you know what they do? You squeeze them. They look like a little eight. Push them in. They melt. It's time for another one. It's awesome. Now, if you don't like them, good for you. But there's something you like, and you can't stop it. That's not. But our flesh begins to control us, and now I know I'm in the race, and God convicts me about it, but he's never convicted you about it. I don't need to worry about that. I need to worry about what he convicts me about. And be honest with him. Amen? Whatever the besetting sin is. All right, now I want to give you this illustration. There's a hero in America. He's an American hero. He's been an American hero for a long time. I'm talking nearly 100 years. He's a hero. He dresses weird. He wears red boots up to here. And they're laced up. Red boots. Weird. That's what he wears. He wears, I would, the only word I know to call it is, it's kind of a, it's a blue. It's not navy blue, but it's not royal blue, but it's blue. Tights. Blue tights. But the tights don't stop at the waist. His whole chest and arms, the torso, it's called this blue tight. And he has these, uh, they're red. They're, they're just little red. Uh, I don't even know what to call them all together. But they're just little red things that go, I don't know. They're like, they're not pants, but they're red. On his chest, he has kind of a gold. Some people might call it yellow, but gold. It's almost like a triangle on his chest. It's gold, and it's trimmed in red, and it has a, a letter on it. One letter, it's a red letter on his chest. Does everybody know who this is? Who is it? You got that right, Superman. He's an American. He grew up in Kansas. Somebody say amen. I'm so glad he's from America. Superman's awesome. Has a red cape. He's incredible. <laughs> He's faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap strong, uh, tall buildings in a single bound. He can fly, folks. He can fly. He's awesome. I love Superman. He's a hero. He can do anything. Somebody, I don't know who, came up with the weird idea that Batman and Superman are going to have a battle. How silly is that? Batman can't fly. Superman can. He's awesome. But there is one thing that bothers Superman. It's a bothersome. Oh, yeah. If you get Superman around that, he loses his superpowers. Everybody know what that is? You're right, that green rock called kryptonite. If Superman gets around kryptonite, you can beat him up. Batman could easily beat him up. I could smack him around a little bit. <laughs> Kryptonite destroys him. It gets rid of all his strength. Hear me? Listen to me well. What we just said a while ago, that besetting sin that's in your life, some of you thought of it, that's kryptonite. Did you just hear me? That is your kryptonite. What should you do? Stay away from it. Don't get near it. Don't get around it. Don't spend time with it. Don't, if you know it's there, don't go. You go, oh no, I can handle kryptonite because I'm awesome. No, we're not more powerful than Superman. When it comes to our besetting sin, we will be just, we'll lose our strength. Our ability to withstand. Don't act like that you can handle it. Somebody say amen. 
What should you do? Lay it aside. Stay away from it. Don't get near it. Don't get around it. Don't act like, well, I've been doing good for three months, so maybe I can handle it now, and I'll just go in the neighborhood. No, don't go in the neighborhood. Stay away from it. It's a besetting sin. Stay away from your sin. Somebody say amen. Good night, folks. This is not something God winks at. This is very important. God wants us to get away from our besetting sin. Somebody say amen. Whatever that besetting sin is, and mine might be, you might be, you might be embarrassed if you knew what my besetting sin was. You might go, is anybody hearing me? But you know what I'm supposed to do with it? Stay away from it. Don't think about it. Don't dwell on it. When Satan, when something's around me that triggers that, and I start thinking about it, stop thinking about it right now and ask God to forgive me and get my mind where it's supposed to be. Somebody say amen. I don't care what your besetting sin is. Lay it aside. And like I said a while ago, I'm running down the road and I'm running the race. I'm doing good. And I've laid that one aside and I've done good for three months or six months. And then God goes, hey, Bubba, you got another one now. What am I supposed to do? It's kryptonite. Get rid of it. Somebody say amen. Our society today, we all think like we can handle it. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a problem. It's okay. God has not given up on us trying to be holy. We're supposed to be holy. Somebody say amen. We're supposed to be holy. So uh, here's what I want to do. I want to go to our last little line topic here. It's in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. First of all, let's just put this in our brain. I want to come back to it. It does say, looking unto Jesus. Then it describes him as the author of our faith. Jesus is the one that invented this. The race that we're in. The race that is set before us. He's the author of our faith. And our faith is that we're sinners. We trust him to be our savior. We get our righteousness from him. We get our ability to serve him from him. We cannot do it on our own. For without me you can do nothing. Jesus said. Amen. So he's the author. He invented it. Nobody in this room invented it. None of us. Your pastor didn't come up with the idea. And the Holy Bible, God's Holy Word, lets us know he's the one that invented it. If you change it, if you, I'll use the word, if you tinker with it, if you try to maneuver it, manipulate it, make it more comfortable, more palatable, you're messing up. Don't mess with God's Word. He's the author. There's, I've got like eight scriptures there, but I'll say that he's the finisher. <laughs> he finished it. I got like six verses in the Bible that he finished it once for all. Amen. It's over. It's done. I, I can't. I can't do more to provide more salvation. He's already done it all. It's finished. So I'll just tell you real quick, when I first started preaching, my dad's a preacher. When I first started preaching, when I first started preaching, I was only 18, 19 years old. And I started preaching and I felt like, okay, if you want me to preach, it's my job. This is my job. I got to get everybody in this room right with God. You are not leaving until you get right with God. And I'm going to preach and preach your guts out until you get right with God. I felt like I was supposed to finish it. I thought that was my job. I got to get everybody right with God. It's my job. I got to finish this thing. And it took me a few years, but God helped me know, hey, Bubba, I've already finished it. You don't have to do that. You can, like, trust me. I finished it. And so I just want to tell you, I'm thankful I've learned that he finished it. And I bet you are, too. Amen. He's the finisher of our faith. We don't have to finish it. He's already finished it. All we have to do is what he told us to do. What did he say? Run. Amen. Run. 
Well, how long do I run? Till I see him. I love this. Look what, look what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. I've been in the ministry a long time now. I'm telling you, I told you a while ago, it's 40-some years. Watch. <clears throat> I've learned this, and I, I'm fascinated by it, but here's what I've learned. When I'm in the race, my job is to do what Christ asked me to do and keep my eyes on him. Our churches, excuse me, our churches are filled with people who run like this. I'm serious, they do. Well, I am looking good. Look what I'm doing for this church. I bet Jesus is proud of me. This church is lucky to have me. If you keep looking at yourself while you're trying to do your Christianity, you're going to crash and burn. Amen. You're going to do more than chip a tooth. You're going to be messed up. Excuse me, our churches are filled with people that are looking at themselves, how good they're doing, how awesome they are. That Hey, you, better, you should be lucky that I go here, buddy. I could go anywhere. Is anybody hearing me? Well, who are you? I'm awesome. Yeah. You know what you're doing? You're looking at you instead of Jesus. Truth is, when we look at Jesus, we realize that we need him. We can't do it on our own. Here's another. I've been doing this a long time. Here's another way people run. They run. They go, hey, what's wrong with you? You should be up here with me. What are you doing way back there? And someone goes, hey, you're not better than me. You think you're better than me? No way. And you got your eyes on everybody else in the race. Is anybody hearing me? The race is full of people. Not just looking at themselves. They're looking at everybody around them. See what they're doing. See what they're accomplishing. See, what are you doing way back there? How come you think you're better than me? And they've got all this complaint. Is anybody hearing me? And you're all worried about what somebody else said about you. I can't go to that church. You know what they did to our family? You know what they said about our family? What? Here's what I've learned. I'm serious as I can be. Here's what I've learned. You can handle anything if you keep your eyes on Jesus. When you start murmuring and complaining and belly aching and you're wanting to give up and you're wanting to quit and you're wanting to start over or you're wanting to just get a new family, get a new church. When it, excuse me here, listen carefully. Here's what you've done. You've taken your eyes off Jesus. Well, our pastor, he ought to do better than that. What is wrong with him? Get your eyes off of him. Get your eyes on Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jim Alter is... Human. Amen. He's not perfect. He never will be perfect. He's supposed to do his utmost to be perfect or to be holy. He's supposed to follow Christ. But he has besetting sin too. Excuse me. Quit being a crybaby. Don't act like he's the Pope. He's not. And you're going, ain't no doubt about that. <laughs> we never were questioning that, Dave. Excuse me? There's all kinds of people. I don't go to church. You know, I, a preacher hurt me real bad. A preacher, a preacher hurt me. I can't, I can't take it. Get your eyes off of preachers. What is wrong with you? It doesn't change the rest of the Bible because some pastor was an idiot or sinful or wicked. A pastor that's wicked and sinful can get right with God too. Just like a deacon can. Just like a Sunday school teacher can. Just like a mama can. Just like a daddy can. Just like a teenager can. We can get right with God too. Everybody struggles with sin. Nobody is exempt. Why are you you wanting to quit? You took your eyes off Jesus. I don't care how bad the, the... Atmosphere is around you, the conditions, the the sorrow, the pain, the discomfort, the aggravation, whatever is around you, and it's clamoring everywhere. If I take my eyes off Jesus, I will not be successful. I won't be making progress in my race. Excuse me, as soon as somebody starts being a crybaby, you just look at them and say, you're looking in the wrong place. Don't be looking at the sand. Don't be looking at yourself. Don't be looking at somebody else. Get your eyes on Jesus. I'm telling you, that's some of the best 
Christian counseling I could give any human being. Stop whining. Get your eyes on Jesus. If you need to get right with God, ask him to forgive you of your sin. He'll forgive you. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Keep running. Somebody say amen. I have uh, five brothers, five sisters. The baby of the family is a boy. His name is, we call him Timmy or Tim. His name is James Timothy. We've been calling him Timmy since he's a baby. Timmy is 56 years old. Oh, he just had a birthday. He's 57. Had a birthday last week, two weeks ago. 57. Timmy has been a meth addict since he was, well, for 30 years. He has all the scars of meth addict. Never been in prison. Never got caught. Has one son. His wife stayed with him. Incredible. My youngest brother and my dad had a relationship that was, I'm a preacher, my dad was a preacher, we had a relationship, none of my other brothers were preachers, so we had a relationship that was a little bit different after he got older and so on. But my youngest brother, Timmy, was a hunter, a fisher, mercy. I'm serious. He was eight years old. He was out and laying in the field with a BB gun, and he walks back with a rabbit that he's already skinned and cleaned. Walking back with a rabbit with his BB gun. He's a hunter, man. He, he's been like that his whole life. My dad and him have a relationship. My dad loved to hunt and fish, and they had this relationship. And, of course, he's also the baby of the family, and so he had this relationship with dad. But he's a drug addict, and dad didn't know he was a drug addict until Timmy was in his 40s. Dad had no idea. I didn't know 100%. And I confronted Tim in front of mom and dad inside their house, and Tim was there. It broke Timmy's heart. He was angry with me because I did that. Because his mom and dad didn't know. I want Tim to get right. I want him to. And he was he's like a drug addict. He knows it's wrong. He knows it's wrong. And he would try to get right with God. He'd try to do right. He'd try to do right. And he would ask me to pray for him. And we, I did pray for him. And I would try to help him. And he would crash and burn. Be down here quite a while. And then he'd say, okay, i got to do right. i got to do right. Is everybody with me? Go up and down. That's the life of a meth or a drug addict. When dad died, that's now, it's coming up to 11 years. So, when dad died, it just it just ripped the heart out of my baby brother. Father's Day, after dad died, dad died in February. Father's Day, of course, is in June. My brother called me. Now, we, t- we talked rarely, rarely. He called me and said, Happy Father's Day. Hey, thank you. Thank you, buddy. We never do that. We don't do that. We don't call each other on our birthday. There's 11 of us. We don't do it. We don't do that. It's not part of who we are. And then he said these words, I know you're not my father, but I know you love me and you pray for me. And I do. And I did. Tim did good for a couple months and crashed and burned. It's coming up on four years that Tim has been clean. The longest he ever made it before was four months. It's been four years. My brother, just above Timmy, is the coordinator, the spokesperson for Celebrate Recovery at the church my brother attends. And so Timmy went to that. He went to it six years ago, quit it. But him and his wife have been going now for four years. He's been clean. That's an awesome thing. Before four years, I'll go ahead and tell you about six years ago, 
him. He called me one day and he said, Dave, I need one of those jewels. I need a jewel. And I go, Bubba, I don't have any jewels. We don't have jewels. We have Nancy has like a ring and a necklace, but we don't have any jewels. He goes, oh, no, no, I'm not talking about jewel like that. I said, well, we don't have any jewels. He goes, I'm talking about a jewel out of the Bible. Oh, yeah, I got lots of them. I got lots of them. So if you'll turn there, I'll show it to you. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. And so we're on the phone. He doesn't have a Bible. I have this memorized that I have a Bible with him, with me, and I'm telling him where it is and so on. I said, here's what it says to me. Look, look what it says. Lamentations 3.21. It says, this I recall to my mind. So I'm thinking about it. I remember it. Therefore, have I hope. So what does he recall to his mind? Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I said, Tim. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, 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 I got it. I said, his compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning they're new. I said, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. And I'm going to ask you to do it. Think of the largest dump truck you can think of. I'm talking it's humongous. The biggest dump truck you can think of your brain. Think of the largest dump truck you can think of. And it's red. Sorry. Shiny red. Beautiful red. It's brand new. Shiny. The bed is red. It's shiny. It has chrome wheels on it. it. has a chrome smokestack or exhaust stack above the cab there. It has a chrome on the grill on the front of it. I said, it's beautiful. It's never been used. It's brand new. Can you think of it? And he goes, yeah, I can think of it. Okay, here's what it's doing. Right now, that big giant red dump truck is backing up to your front porch. Right now, it's going beep, 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 beep. I said, can you see it? He said, I can hear it. I said, it's coming. It's coming to your front porch every morning, Tim. Now, it stops at your porch and the bed starts to raise up. Coming up slow, it's raising up. And that giant dump truck is full of God's mercies. And God's compassion. And it comes every day. Every day. I said, Tim, I know that you're proud of me. I know because I'm a preacher and because I'm trying to live right and do right that I know you're proud of me and I know you're glad of that. But I said, I want you to know something, buddy. The only reason that your brother, David, is still a preacher today is because of that big red truck that comes to my house. Every morning. I need it every day. It's full. It's full of God's mercies. And his compassions comes every day. But Tim, it comes to your house every day too. Now you have to recognize it and admit it. And I'm telling you folks the truth. I sleep on this. uh, If you're looking at the foot of the bed, the left side of the bed. So when I get out of bed, my right leg comes out first. Not every morning, but I'm telling you, nearly every morning, when my foot about hits the ground, I say these words. God, thank you for the big red truck. I need it again today. And ladies and gentlemen, I need it every day. If I'm going to run this race the way God wants me to run it, I must keep my eyes on Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, I need to be thankful for the big red truck. It comes every day. It comes to your house too. I know, I know we all sin. We're humans. We all mess up. But that red truck comes every day, folks. I don't know why it has to be red. It's just red. I know this. Ethan, it comes to your house too. Every day. It comes to your house every day. I call Paul Kyle. He's Kyle, but I call Paul Kyle. Kyle, it comes every day. He's a, God doesn't say, well, it only goes to preachers' houses. Oh, no. It comes to your house every day. Is everybody with me? 
So tonight, there's a couple things that are huge. What's your besetting sin? Excuse me, you know what it is. God is not going, I'm not going to let you know. It's a trick. No, he'll let you know. Well, I'm not sure what it is. Search me, oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Anybody hear me? Uh, he, he can point it out. What are you supposed to do? It's kryptonite. Don't just lay it aside. Get away from it. Don't tinker with it. Don't mess around with it. Don't act like you can handle it. You can't. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off everybody else. Now, I do know this. I know my wife's eyes are on me, and she's expecting me to be a man of God. And she is. But I'm telling you, her Christianity and her race is not dependent upon me. She better get her eyes on Jesus. Did you just hear me? Nancy's a godly lady. She's a great Christian. I don't know what I would do if she became an idiot. If she took a nosedive. I don't know what I would do. But I know this. I better keep my eyes on Jesus. I've got two daughters. I love them. I love them. And I just, in my brain, I can't imagine that they take a nosedive. But many families have children that have done that. What do you do? You get your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. His mercies are new every morning. You're not saved tonight. I've got good news for you. You still can get saved. God's given you another opportunity. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And if you're not yet saved, if you don't know you have your jersey, if you don't know, you can know it. You can get saved even tonight. So in this invitation time, I'm going to invite you to stand. Go ahead and stand with me. You and God know what he's talked to you about. The, I don't know if it's the besetting sin. You and God know. But it might be the right thing for you to do tonight is find a place on your knees. And say, God, do you know what the sin is? And I know what it is. I need to treat it like kryptonite. Ask him to help you. He, he wants to. He will. Some of you need that mercy. You need to admit that you need it. You need to thank him for it. Some of you just need to get your eyes back on Jesus. Let me pray with you. Our great God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you for your holy word. Praise your name. Thank you that you still use it in our hearts and lives. I pray that tonight all of us would be willing, sensitive, available, that we just rededicate, resurrender ourselves to you. God, have your way with us tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.